1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider, talking about all things spiritual warfare here on Wednesdays. And we got a special guest coming in. I won't let you know. He's coming in any minute now. But uh, Dan, good to see you. Uh, and uh, hey, it's uh, a lot to talk about this week. A couple of things on the rundown that we're going to talk about is uh, originism. We're going to talk about uh, the fact that it, that some of the prelates in the Catholic Church believe that we should be praying for the conversion of reptiles and demons. So we'll talk about that. Also, your alma mater, Dan, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is at it again. It's, uh, they're trying to push the homoerotic agenda again by allowing these uh, drag queens. And I'm glad you and many other alumni, you guys have written letters and shown, your, shown their disapproval. Also, we're going to talk about something that's your expertise is uh, why St. John Henry Newman was right and Notre Dame pre President Father Jenkins is wrong about academic freedom. So we'll take a look at that. And also, finally, we're going to take a look at uh, this uh, one Catholic priest. Is he from, where's he from? Portuguese? Where's he Portuguese. from? Portugal. Yeah, he's Portuguese. Yeah. yeah. He's at it again. They, they call him, they call him uh, Father. Um, uh, what's his name? Father the DJ, DJ Padre. The DJ Padre. Yes. We're going to talk about the DJ Padre. Just like St. Paul. You know, I became all things to, to, to say to all people to save some. I even became a, to the to the rapper. I became a DJ. Right? <laughs> and here's a special guest. I hear him coming up the stairs right now. Uh, I, I So let's get right into it. Here's a special. Here's a Ave Maria. Gracia plena. Here's a I'm special guest me. we have. Dr. Taylor Marshall. What is going on? <laughs> Dr. Oh, Schneider. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, I'm here at the Texas uh, in Dallas. This is the team that won the World Series. And as we all know, what's unique about this team? Texas Rangers, no Pride Month. No Pride logo. No Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The only non-Pride Major League Baseball team. Amazing. And we won it all. And we weren't even favored at the beginning of the season. You know who was favored? The Dodgers were favored to win. <laughs> Didn't even get through the playoffs. Yeah. And the MVP was an ex-Dodger, I believe. Is that correct? That's right. It was uh, yeah. Seager. Yeah. Wow. Ex-Dodger was yeah. the MVP of the World Series. Yeah. Wow. And he's, I believe he's a Christian. Yeah. yeah. I think he was wearing the shirt, Jesus wins. Oh, that's right. So he got off. The Dodgers came over to us. Unbelievable. We won. God has spoken, right? Amen. Hey, I want a three-week conversation. Uh, the first topic and, and uh, I want to talk about is this, this idea that at the Synod, they, were, they composed a prayer to pray for the conversion of reptiles and demons. I, I just, both of you guys are academics. I mean, is there anything in the tradition of the church and theology 
that would uh, incline us to pray for the conversion of demons at the end of time. Taylor. Well, he quotes he, the, that passage there has a reference in the text. It's okay. Isaac the Syrian. Okay. St. Isaac the Syrian was a bishop in the Church of the East. And one of the problems with him is he was a universalist. So he believed he followed Origen, who said it all will return back to God, including Satan. Jeez. Right? So that's kind of a problem there. <laughs> and, you know, Thomas Aquinas. Canonize him. The East or the West? The East, I don't know if he was directly canonized by a pope or he's kind of grandfathered in. Okay. Maybe he's not even, can I don't know, but the Eastern Orthodox recognize him. But Thomas Aquinas deals with this. I can't remember what the question number is. Um, basically talking about, should we love everyone, including demons? And he says, you can love in two ways. God created all things and called all things good. And that includes all the angels. Yes. Right. So uh, you, you were called to love all people, no matter how much they're into witchcraft, evil, abortion, you know, all the sins in the world. We love them because they're made by God ontologically. But Thomas Aquinas is very clear that we are to hate evil. And he even goes so far as to say we rejoice in the justice of God and the damned. Because mm. that's the justice of God. Yeah, you can't be, well, I don't like that about God, then you don't like something about God. So you, you have to assent with your will that God's judgment and decision is correct. So that's the distinction is we, we love everything that's made, including trees, right? God made that's good. We shouldn't kiss them, though, Brad. That's more or hug them. Or hug them. That's too far. Yeah. Or plant trees in the Vatican Garden dedicated to Pachamama. Yeah, we probably shouldn't do that either. Maybe not. Dan, comments about Saint uh, this uh, Eastern Saint? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm curious. I do um, part of my own background. I like uh, my my academic work is scripture, but also in early patristic. So this name didn't sound very familiar to me. Um, so I looked him up. It's Isaac of Nineveh. This is the New Advent, which is the old Catholic encyclopedia, which is a legitimate academic source. It's just it's online. Isaac of Nineveh, an Nestorian bishop of that city in the latter half of the seventh century, consecrated by the Nestorian patriarch George, originally a monk of the monastery of Bathabe in Kurdistan. He abdicated for unknown reasons after an episcopate, but five months, and retired to the monastery of Rabban Shapur, where he died in an advanced age, blind through study and austerity. Towards the end of his life, he passed under a cloud of, uh, as his Nestorian, he passed under a cloud as his Nestorian. Uh, 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 Nestorianism, Nestorian orthodoxy became suspected. He was author of the three theses, etc. So here's someone who is is uh, arguably Nestorian, and we, not only do we quote uh, someone who was a who 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 was a student and and, and ordained by uh, into this uh, arch heresy of Nestorianism, which denied the divinity of Christ, um, the full divinity of Christ. Um, we quote him as a saint in the in this in this. Um, uh, in the in the the synod document, and and, and Dr. Marshall is correct. What we have is is the originism, and sometimes it's we have to distinguish, just like we distinguish Thomism and Neo Thomism and different sections of Thomism. Origin can also be distinguished in many ways. Um, there's later developments. There's later writers would write under his name or develop his theology. So this would be speculative theology by Origin, who, by the way, is not a saint. 
uh, for various reasons, but um, but a, certainly a church father, a biblical, one of the first, the, the first biblical scholars. So originism is this idea of recapitulation. He speculated that God's mercy is so great that um, all of creation, even the fallen angels, will be recapitulated in the end. Now, this was condemned uh, about uh, uh, 400 years after his, 300 years after his death. There was a lot of debates, several councils, um, but this was condemned as as heresy. So, so Isaac of Nineveh picks this this or this universalism up. It's one thing to say, as Saint Thomas says, the 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 the, the theology of being. That we that there we see in creation goods that lead us to God. This goes back to even Augustine that Thomas develops. So even when we see the beauty of a tree, the beauty you know of a dog, even my dog, my dog is dying. She's getting older. I'm supposed to see in her, in her being, something that helps me understand God, that helps me love God more. That's one thing. But falling into creationism and 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 universalism is a very dangerous thing. That that God is so merciful, God is so in, in, ingrained with creation that we fall into creation worship, which is what the Pachamama uh, debacle was. And so we have to see that being is created, as Augustine talks about, signs that point us to the to God. So we see in creation things that point us to God, but certainly we cannot, we cannot divinize these elements of creation. By the uh, way, and, and these errors have, have been picked up by like Boltmann, uh, Von Balthasar and uh, even even some bishops will will proclaim you know, you know definitely have a proclivity to proclaim a universal salvation. So this error has cropped up its ugly head again, right? But it's been around forever. That's the interesting thing, right? I mean, Origen was second century. He was born in the late 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 one. He was he was born in the mid one one hundreds, one seventy five, something like that. So this has been around for a long time. He would have been one of the great minds of the church had he not fallen into that because wasn't he a, an Old Testament biblical scholar? Well, he was both. He was both. Yeah. Yeah, there's some speculation that that um he took literally the um uh, some became eunuchs for the kingdom of God and that he castrated himself and that's not why he was uh, uh, made saint. <laughs> that's kind of the that's kind of the un, the unofficial version. That's one of the the unknown knowns of why he's not a saint. But he's not he's not considered a saint. But he's still considered a great, uh, really, a father of the church. Taylor, comment. Yeah, I mean the, the story is origin. You know, Christ says it's better for you to pluck out your eye than be cast into hell, or to cut off your right hand rather than your whole body be cast in hell. So it's not proven, but there's sources in the early church that says he struggled with lust, and so he cut off his testicles. Ouch. Yeah. But I, I want to, Dr. Schneider has a good point there. You know, there, this synod document, not only is the theology here scandalous, I, I think it the best way to say it is it offends pious ears. That's a that's a, a doctrinal distinction. You know, you have like formal heresy, material heresy, and then there's, there's I mean, this could be heretical, but it definitely offends pious ears. Hold that thought. We're going to a quick break. All right. Wednesday War College, Dan Schneider, Taylor Marshall, Jess Romero will be right back talking about the heresy of origin. And we're also going to talk about the Notre Dame drag queen uh, debacle. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere.
college. Jess Romero, Dan Schneider, Taylor Marshall. Uh, Taylor, you're talking, you're, you mentioned something during the break uh, about this topic, about origin, university. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, in the Senate document, they're citing St. Isaac of Syria, St. Isaac of Nineveh, who is arguably schismatic, heretical, you know what I mean? Mm. Not mainstream. You know, we're not talking about St. John Chrysostom, St. Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, right? Mm. And yet during this, this whole process, traditional Catholics are being said, you're schismatic, you know, you're heretical, you're not with the church, you know? And then, but then in the meantime, they're quoting theologians in the history that weren't. Wow, so it's that's just, a good point. It's a double standard. You know, and, and you could arguably, though, traditional Catholics, they're not even following origin or heresy. They're just saying we're following Thomas Aquinas. We're doing the mass just like everybody did for a thousand five hundred yeah. years, at least uh, baptism. You know, every, yeah. we're not trying to, like, do something new like origin. We're just sticking. And then they're the ones that are rigid, you know, bad, schismatic. But then the Senate is is now citing authors that offend pious ears and and were themselves schismatic so wow good it's point. Just a double standard right now yeah i see that and and i think people need to not be it's going to happen you know like jesus said we will be persecuted and there's been persecution inside the church and outside the church is it's frustrating but we don't give up amen we don't leave the church you stay in the church amen dan comments yeah no i i think what we're seeing again i'm just a i'm just a a, a a repurposed cavalry scout, cavalry scout, you know, from back in my military days, as we get ready for Veterans Day. If you look deeply, what's going on? What we're seeing in the battle of ideologies that begin in first principles. There are those who believe in the deposit of faith, Catechism eighty four, that Christ handed on uh, to the apostles and their successors the deposit of faith. This goes all the way back to the first century or second century Saint uh, Irenaeus, the 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 the, un, the unbending yield of faith. Is this consistent with what Christ handed on, Christ taught and handed on to his apostles and successors? This guides exegesis and leads to holiness. This is the purpose of the deposit of faith. The other side says, no, we're in we're in a process of theology is in a process of evolution. This is Father Hardin's uh, definition of process theology. This is a this is basically uh, uh, in, uh, um, environmental uh, uh, eschatology imbued into theology. A view of reality that what, what, including what Christianity calls God, which sees everything still in the process of becoming what it will be, but nothing really is. It's called theology because it is a form of evolutionary pantheism, which postulates a finite God who is becoming perfect, but not as, as the Christian believes, infinite and all perfect from eternity. It's called a process because it claims that the universe, including God, is moving towards completion without identifying what this completion is or whether it will ever be reached. On these terms, nothing is stable, nothing certain, because nothing really is. There are no determined moral laws, no absolute norms of conduct, no certain principles of thought, no means of knowing anything, no thing, since what people call things are moving functions that keep changing in their very being. Everything, including the thinking mind, is ever becoming what it was not and ceasing what it will be. And so, so it, it, this evolutionary process applied to theology, and here's what it sounds like on a functional level. Uh, Cardinal Roche, prefect of the sacrament of the divine worship of the sacraments, why can you suppress the Holy Mass? Because theology changes. That's what it sounds like. You can you can read that article in in in, in the British uh, in the Catholic uh, Catholic uh, 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 news. 
this is exactly what they think that that we're in this evolutionary pantheistic process where everything evolves and 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 even uh this acceptance of of, of homosexuality uh for example this idea that that gender is a social construct it's very much accepted today in academia it's a social construct well the church has has grasped onto these humanistic uh, secular values and this is where we're at and it works very well with, the, with this idea of process theology so either you believe in the unbending rule of faith given from Christ to the apostles, the tradition of the church, that we were midgets standing on the shoulders of giants uh, uh, and building upon what, what what giants have given before us, or we're in this evolutionary process. And you can see the evolutionary pantheism at work going all, you know, it's very obvious in the Pachamama incident what, what that this is the spirituality of process theology. And you know what I see by way of analogy, I see the Catholic left, they, they look at, the deposit of faith, just like the political left looks at the constitution. They say it's an evolving document. Yeah. It evolves with a living document. Yeah. yeah. Living document, living, breathing document. And I see the Catholic left doing the same thing with the deposit of faith. Let's, I want to go on another topic now, something near and dear to both of you guys, because both of you guys are academics. Notre Dame has, uh, they, they're trying to pitch academic freedom by inviting this uh, the drag queens over to Notre Dame to the campus, and they're pushing this whole homoerotic agenda, uh, and of course this this is being allowed by the president, Father Jenkins. Uh, Taylor, you're an academic. Dan, you're an academic. Taylor, what's what's wrong with you know a Catholic university you know exercising academic freedom and allowing uh, some of these knuckleheads in here? Well, it goes back to freedom, academic freedom. What are you free to do? You know, in America, if you have freedom, what do you, can I murder you? Can I strangle you? Can I steal your stuff? You could, but you shouldn't. Yeah, but I'm not free to do that. Yeah, you know what I mean? You shouldn't. That's yeah, not yeah. what freedom means. Freedom means that you are free to pursue the good. And academic freedom is freedom to pursue the good, true, and the beautiful. That's, you know, universities are the invention of the Catholic Church. They didn't come from the Old Testament. They didn't come from Islam. They didn't come from Buddhists. They didn't come from Protestants. The university system comes from Catholics. Why? So that we could delve into the mysteries of reason and nature and the deposit of the faith. And you are free to do that. You are not free to change the deposit of faith. The deposit of faith was given by Jesus Christ to the 12 apostles and is retained by apostolic succession and protected by the Petrine office of the papacy. That's like if I say, here is $1 million in your bank account. It's a deposit. You have to preserve it until the end of your life. You have to. That doesn't mean you can go in there and take $5 off or put it. It has to be retained. That is the deposit of faith. These universities are taking the Protestant secular idea of, well, we have tenure, so we can do whatever we want, and you can't fire us. Mm -hmm were protected under academic freedom. And then what do they do? And the Jesuits are copying that template. Well, yeah. And it's like, well, LGBT, feminist studies, intersectionality, all of these perfidious, degenerate studies, which are undermining the family, the church, culture, society. And then when you're like, well, that's not according to Catholic teaching, academic freedom. Tenure, and they're they're hiding behind these structures 
in order to push the secular anti-God agenda inside Catholic Church, which I, is funded by Catholics. I blame our bishops. Our bishops should come down like an 800-pound gorilla on some of these Catholic college presidents. And I don't buy I don't buy the argument that, well, you know, these are separate entities from the diocese and they run independent. A bishop, I mean, he's essentially the pope of the diocese. And and uh he has the, the apostle, he has the power to do something about this. They can't run roughshod over the Catholic uh after the cat over the Catholic Church and use the name Catholic. Dan, what do you what do you say? That's your alma mater. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh Pope John Paul, St. John Paul II addressed this in Ex Corte Ecclesiae. It went over like a the proverbial turd in the punch bowl, if you remember those days. Um, no, they're, they're, oh, you can't violate our academic freedom. And, and all it's saying is, first of all, the bishop is the primary educator. He's the primary teacher in that diocese. And to have a mandatum is no different than an exorcist who has a mandate. It's the same principle. He carries the bishops. He works under the bishop's teaching authority. But how many our universities today actually require that? Thank goodness Franciscan University does and a lot of other good ones. So the parents that are listening look to those ex corte ecclesiae uh, uh, universities that, are, that that adhere to that because you'll get faithful teaching. Now, one of the things that, that in the Notre Dame, uh, uh, this is, by the way, I've got students, uh, uh, family member students there that are saying that this is not just a class. They've got flyers in all of the dormitories inviting the students. So this isn't about, I got a teacher that wants to, uh, because I'm tenured, they can't touch me. I can do any perverted thing I want in my classroom within reason. This is advertising campus-wide, and, and the students are being forbidden to tear them off the walls in the dormitories. If it really was a matter of academic freedom, like Mrs. Firth, the, the uh, assistant to the president, says, um, if it's really about class and academic freedom, then, then they, they wouldn't be advertising it university-wide in the dormitories. So Notre Dame's part of the Notre Dame's mission statement is truth for the sake of truth. This is right from John Henry Newman and, and his idea of the university. We pursue truth for the sake of truth, not for job training, not for novelty, for the sake of truth. Now, part of the sake of truth uh, is that what Newman would say in the ideal university is that every field is grounded in and imbued in with the, the revealed truth of the Roman Catholic faith. We cannot understand the hard sciences without understanding what happened to incarnation, what's the impact of the incarnation on, on, on the earth. Uh, we can't understand uh, the, 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 so, the social sciences or, or, or criminology or anthropology apart from the God-man and the revealed truths of the Roman Catholic faith. So when you separate those in the name of academic freedom, what you're left with is nothing but secular values. And when secular values are left to rule the, the roost, a disaster is in place. And this is exactly what's happening uh, uh, at Notre Dame. They're, 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 they've untethered themselves from the revealed truths of the Roman Catholic faith. This isn't to say, oh, Pope so-and-so said this, Pope so-and-so said that. It's to stay grounded in the revealed truths of the faith, the dogmas and the doctrines of the church, and let that flavor how we study every other aspect. Apart from that, anything goes. But the, the Jesuits and even the Holy Cross Fathers, historically, they've been kind of notorious uh, about, uh, you know, teaching speculative theology and modernism and, and, and just dissenting from the deposit of faith. In, in particular, those two orders seem to have a track record in recent times. Comment? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, when I you were my truck the other day, you saw I had uh, the, the no. book on it. Yeah. 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 And Malachi Martin's book. Yeah, yeah. On the Jesuits. And I've been reading that book because I'm trying to better understand how the Jesuits went from being the Navy SEALs of the Catholic Church, just 
fantastic in the 1500s, St. Ignatius Loyola, you know, and, and Francis Xavier, all these great saints that, man, I was like, man, I want my sons to be around these kind of priests, the Je early Jesuits, to just being, you know, James Martin nowadays. Yeah. How did that happen? And it seems that even early on, there's, there's this idea that, well, we can compromise or get dispensations for the sake of the mission. I kind of see that happening early on in the Jesuits. And they're getting these papal dispensations. And I wonder if over the centuries, I haven't finished the book yet, but over the centuries, that whittles away at your Catholic identity. And we as Catholics all need to be aware that for ourselves, it doesn't happen to us, right? You just make a couple, you know, you make it a little bit easier, a little bit more easier. Well, you know, we're, we're going to be missionaries, so we can't do it the way the church says here. You do that enough. And then the next thing you know is you're promoting what is taught down the street at the Protestant University. Mm. And it seemed that the Jesuits carried the torch on that, that negative pathway. And I think the Jesuits, even, even in the early... Hold that thought, 1900s. Taylor. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Taylor Marshall, Dan Schneider. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College, we're back. Jess Romero, Taylor Marshall, Dan Schneider talking about all things Catholic. Hey, hey, Dan, uh, your neck of the woods. You, uh, I feel bad. Uh, issue one in Ohio just passed. That's not good for anybody because the left never goes asleep. Ever since Roe versus Wade was overturned, they went crazy. And now they're pumping in a lot of money to try to win the abortion issue from state to state. In other words, they told they told patriots, conservatives, and people of faith, okay, so you guys got the Supreme Court to Nix Roe versus Wade, fine. We'll take this battle from state to state. And if they can overturn a state like Ohio or implement it into the Constitution, that's not good for the rest of us because these guys are putting in a lot of money and a lot of foot soldiers to try to win this from state to state. Comments about uh, the great state of Ohio? Yeah, it's very sad. Not only did, uh, um, um, did that pass, also, marijuana is now legal, uh, recreational marijuana. So, um, you know, that those are just the one, two, those are just two huge portals to evil that just really degrade and break down a, a culture and a society. I've seen it here in, in, in my own state and, and many others. Uh, so it's, it's a sad day, but it's a, it's a call for Catholics to wake up and start doing prayers of, of reparation and, 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 and sacrifice and, and suffering. And, uh, and, and, you know, as we said in the army, Bohica, you know, bend over here, it comes again. Another round of artillery comes. Is this, you can imagine our already kind of uh, urban environments that are rough. Uh, now you, you put abortion clinics and, and marijuana dispensaries on every corner. Um, it, it, it goes dark pretty fast. You can go, you can go from the great state of Ohio to Portland real quick because mm. um, of cultural switch. And that might sound harsh and no offense to the people of Portland or Los Angeles, but it's, you know, you just don't see that in the Midwest. And so to, to do that, it's it's it just shows you the way they the, the way that you're right. The left does not stop. We wait. We get about 30 days out to an election. We throw a little money at it. Uh, we get slightly involved. The left never, never stops in their political political action. Uh, Taylor, I wanted you to think. Tim, you got wanted... a comment on this? Yeah. This morning I was looking. They did the exit polls in Ohio of. Did you vote to enshrine abortion into the Ohio 
constitution, constitution right? And the the abortion exit poll surprised me because I would have thought, okay, white women, maybe that, but guess what the number one demographic was for people wanting there to be abortion at, this is the highest number in the exit polls, 87% of black men wanted abortion in Ohio. That beats out Latino women, black women, white men, any demographic in Ohio, 87%. I mean, that is so high. White men came in at 50%. White women came in at 57%. But I mean, it's just like that, the, the, that black men would be 87%. I mean, you're coming up on 90% right there. Which tells me that amongst the black community, specifically black men, there's been a mass apostasy, even from their Protestant Christianity. Yes, because of, uh, decades ago, the black community was opposed to abortion. And you and I, we all three of us know Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood, one of her primary objectives was to eradicate the black race in the United States of America through abortion. It's stated, it's documented, it's everywhere. Planned Parenthood tries to cover it up, but it is a fact. Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, wanted to eradicate the black race in America through abortion. And it is just a tragedy to see black men, 87%, in agreement with Margaret Sanger, who wants to eradicate they have, them. They have amnesia. They they don't know their past. If you, if you don't know your past, uh, if you undo the past because you don't know the past, uh, you're going you're gonna to reap a whirlwind. And unfortunately, I talked to a lot of... Uh, black gentlemen throughout the years. And I asked them, have you ever heard of Mar Margaret Sanger? If they've had a public school education, they'll say, who are you talking about? I have no idea who she, who she is. Right. I said, she had a, within Planned Parenthood, she had what's called the Negro Extermination Project. She wanted to wipe you guys all out. Hey, are you kidding me? And so I give them certain websites to go to, but no. most black men don't know this because it's not being taught from K to college. Dan comments? No, it's true. I think her exact words were to rid the world of the of the black and yellow menace, she called it. So and the, again, these are just factual things. If you say these things, uh, even today, the, 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 they reframe the argument that any any discussion, any restatement of the facts is it's a microaggression. We, Taylor and I need to check our privilege. You know, I was telling Jesse, uh, I just got a, 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 a from the, the SBL, Society of Biblical Literature. You know, they do some good stuff. But now they have a whole section on minoritized criticism, you know, so studying the Bible as a minoritized person. I mean, you know, I, I, I think the church used to be universal. It used to. That's what unites us. And as the church degrades and breaks down, um, then then we start to see this lack of unity among among the human race. Um, I want to pick up something that Taylor said earlier, the, the the dispensation for the sake of mission. I think that's a really key insight. If you look at just very functionally. When you when you when I go to a biblical co a conference and one of the keynote speakers is a Jesuit, he's not wearing his Roman collar. What's he wearing? He's wearing a jacket and tie because we have to enculturate. That's that that was one of those early dispensations that allowed them to stay on mission in, ac in the academic circles. And so that those things are the things that open the door towards a quick a quick slippery slope towards enculturation and 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 sync and enculturation uh, has been inverted. With, with really what I mean by that is syncretism we've allowed a certain syncretistic uh, element into into the faith into liturgy into theology as opposed to standing for what the church teaches now we're just dismissed as backwards looking uh rigid 
uh, um, funny, wearing funny, these priests that wear these cassocks are wearing, running around with funny clothes and funny looking hats. But this is what tradition is. Now, taking up what has been handed on to us and preserving it, preserving, safeguarding. This is the mission of the church, particularly the, the, the Pope and the bishops in union with him is to preserve, not over and above the word of God, not over and above theology, doctrine, but as servants and guardians. And we've lost that. So, so as we begin to, to enculturate, we're starting, to, we're, we're losing these battles, particularly in our urban centers. Um, and this is why the, you know, in, in Ohio, if you, if you look at the color, it's going to be largely red, but there'll be two major places, Columbus and, and Cleveland, that are largely blue. And those are the areas that will pull the whole state. Wow. Speaking of uh, tradition, is there any basis for having DJ Padres in tradition? I want to talk about the DJ Padre. Uh, this is, uh, I forget his name. They, they call him Padre DJ. He's from Portugal, right? He's Portuguese. I, I, I don't want to know much more about <laughs> the man. But uh, the DJ Padre, I guess he's at it again. Right, Dan. I mean, you shared it with me the other day. That yeah, yeah. So I I, I picked this up. Um, uh, it's this is the uh, Instagram for Monsterland, the Monsterland Festival, and uh, the biggest Italian Halloween festival. But now it's Monsterland is is now in Portugal, and so they brought in um, the pictures of this uh, DJ Padre DJ, and uh, he's and and the and the 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 imagery is it's. It's it's hellish. I mean, it's it's the same black and red colors of uh, pictures of demons and 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 uh, evil vile creatures and you know Halloween stuff, uh, really nasty stuff. And so we've got this Catholic priest there, uh, rocking his Roman collar, playing the playing DJ for it. Um, it's it's I'm I, I'm not even going to look at it anymore. It's starting to make me mad. Jesse does <laughs> stuff on the show because he knows. <laughs> that uh, yeah, he knows that that I was raised by the original Grand Torino in the south end of Columbus, Ohio. So when I see this DJ priest, I just you know it's it's the it's the Hulk Hogan folding chair I want to do. I just want to <laughs> knock him off his, his his DJ with a folding chair, and I know that's not charitable. So so uh, but it, it, we'll, we'll do that with prayer. You with know prayer. you know who you know who had that same background. Uh, Biden a few months ago he gave a speech. It was it was the most antagonistic hateful speech a president's ever given he called the other side basically his opposition uh and anybody who's associated with MAGA it, it, he just called them names for 45 minutes but his background was red and black yeah. it looked exact and I, I I've looked inside a satanic temple from the outside so I've seen how it looks on the inside with the doors open and I'm telling you the DJ Padre, his background is exactly like a satanic temple. Joe Biden, his background and that particular speech is exactly like the inside of a satanic chapel. Uh, Dan, let me ask you a question. You've always, you've always talked about the fact that because a priest, his hands are consecrated. His whole person's consecrated uh, because of holy orders, sacred orders, but specifically his hands. So if a priest uses his hands for anything outside of the liturgy or the sacraments or prayer or blessings it's 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 a ritual it's a satanic ritual am i onto something well that's a little everything the priest does with his hands everything he does 
everything about the priest ontologically is ordered towards the sacrifice, particularly the holy sacrifice of the mass. This is why when a priest is a, is a, given the anointing of the sick, you and it is custom that the, the the priest that anoints his brother priest will turn his hands downward and anoint the back of the back of his hands because he is a priest forever. What you see, and so 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 if the, if a priest is doing things that are unholy, then those things become liturgical as well. And, 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 and by that, in that sense, it becomes something that is satanic or the uh, satanic inversion of holy orders. And so this is, this is just uh, completely unbecoming of the office of priest. It should not be allowed. And uh, I think the phrase that Taylor used earlier was um, uh, um, it, it, just, it just violates popular, the, the sense of popular piety. I, I, how did you use that phrase? It, it, the, the, the average, yeah, yeah. So, so it, it, it just strikes odd, you know, it just strikes odd. My dad would say that's just goofy, you know, this is beyond goofy. This is just, this is, this goes from goofy into weird. And my dad would also say, that's a guy, he'd look at a guy like that and say, you know what, that guy, that guy needs boot camp. Yeah. I'm like, you're right, dad. He needs boot camp. Most guys, my dad would meet. See, you know what that or, guy's problem is? Or, 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 or in the barrio, we say he needs a blanket party. Yeah. Or a blanket party. It's basically the same thing. It's a guy that needs that needs he needs he needs a wake up call. Yeah, he needs at three o'clock in the morning. A drill sergeant coming in with a trash can lid, smoking him for three hours. He sits and does push ups and flutter kicks and, until he until he cries like a little girl to wake up and start to man up. And and so to see this in this priest, it's kind of disappointing. Let me put it that hey, way. We uh, on the next segment, I want to get both your takes. So think about it. We're going to go to a quick break. I want to ask both of you to talk a little bit about Christ the King. I want to build up build up the body of Christ, people that are listening. I want both of you to give us just uh, two or three minutes on Christ the King. How important is that? You're listening to Wednesday War College. Stick around. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Wednesday War College, we're back. Talking about all things Catholic here. Uh, we're talking about the DJ Padre. And Taylor, you mentioned something to me on the break that was very interesting. I never thought about that. It's uh, it's just something good to chew on. Yeah, you think about, you know, back in the early days of the church, you know, people worship Athena, Zeus. Like, that was the religion. That was the cultural worship. Today, the cultural worship is these rave parties, these secular concerts where you have thousands of people jiving moving to these beats and really the dj is sort of like a modern day priest shaman, shaman. warlock yeah. priest because he's up there i mean think about a dj he's kind of at an altar facing the people ah. you know and he's controlling the music the tone everything for all the people at the rave and so to see a priest move from behind the altar on a Novus Ordo, and now he's going, and he's got his little platform, and he's now controlling this liturgical assembly. It and really rave ra rhymes with name. It does. Rave. Wow. So it, it's, it, it's you know, it, it looks like the modern secular worship, you know, which is what young people do on the weekends, Saturday night into Sunday morning, they are at these things. <laughs> you do that pretty good, bro. Thanks. I've never yeah. been to one. Okay. But I saw DJ Priest, and that's what he does. Yeah. And he's got all these women and men, young, in very scandalous, immodest clothing, 
grinding and dancing all around him as a priest. How is that wholesome? Yeah, Dan comments. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, spinning batons of fire, spitting fire, Masks. decorated up an animalistic mask, an animalistic paint on their body. I mean, there's, there's, there's just, and, and that's the problem is that we think that as long as we we say a, a a hail mary beforehand or or we have good intentions, that that's okay. We can Christianize things. You can't Christianize everything. Some things are innately evil, and 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 a, and a rave party uh, at that level, the music. Uh, the type of music, the intentionality of the music, uh, the, the the symbolism can't separate that out. And you can you can change the words of the songs, but it is what it is. And you know what's interesting it. is there's there's been several several uh, you know sages and times past. I, uh, Confucius was one, uh, but you you have others. They said whoever controls the music controls the youth. Uh, yeah. Confucius is not the only one that said that. Plato said it. It, yeah, so, yeah. So some and, and also some Christian philosophers have said it, and you see the power of music, and you can see it in these raids. I know because we, when I was an LA cop, that was big back in the eighties and nineties, and it still has it hasn't stopped. And sometimes these rave parties would descend into violence and chaos, and we'd have to go in there and uh, and just surround the place and wait till these guys beat each other up and start just uh, putting the bodies into into paramedic and ambulance cars and. And take some of the perpetrators to jail. So these things don't end well. It's a big drug fest. It's a big, it's a big orgy fest. And uh and you can see the people that go there, they are intoxicated with the environment and the music. Yeah, people complain, oh, mass went over an hour, you know. But these rape people will be at these rape parties entertained going eight hours nonstop, drugged up, orgy. You know what I mean? Like this is a religious experience for these people. Yeah, you see a DJ priest doing that. Wow, it gives them license to go and license to do that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to switch gears. I want to talk about the uh, last couple of minutes. I want to talk about the most important topic in two thousand years of Roman Catholic uh, thought. It's Jesus Christ, the King, Christ the King. Here's my take, and I want to hear from both you guys. This is this is the the apex of Catholicism. Jesus Christ is not a president. Presidents can get impeached, recalled, thrown out of office, assassinated. He's not a governor. He's not a mayor. He's not a chief of police. All those, all those offices are time-stamped, four years, six years. Jesus Christ is not a senator, a congressman, a CEO. Jesus Christ is a king. That means he's a monarch. That means he's the apex of power, not just you know, king of Israel. Not a king of Israel. Are you kidding me? King of the world, king of the universe. And so for us as Catholics, one of the ways that we're going to overcome uh, this culture that we live in and not just grow into despair, because a lot of Catholics are falling into despair. What do we have to do? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We know how this ends. And that's why our Lord tells us, those who persevere, not till the weekend or till next month, those who persevere to the end will be saved. And so as Catholics, uh, yeah, this is Mr. Toad's wild ride. I get that. We're like on a bucking bronco. Hang on, because guess what? It's going to be over soon. And the first second of heavenly life with God in Christ is going to make, as one of the, I think, St. Teresa of the Little Flowers says, It'll make your the entire span of your life seem like one cheap weekend in a hotel. <laughs> yeah, Christ is king. I think I think a lot of people think, well, Christ is king where we accept him and let him. 
Christ is king in the entire universe. Objectively. Objectively by creation and by his merits of, his, of the death and resurrection. The prophet Daniel in, in, in the book of Daniel sees the son of man coming before the ancient of days, God. And God gives the son of man dominion over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Mm. All right. And when Jesus was before the, the priests in the Sanhedrin, he said, you will see the son of man coming on the clouds. He was referring to that passage in Daniel. And in Daniel and in the book of Revelation, the apocalypse, we see that it is given to Jesus at his resurrection dominion over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So you might say, well, Iraq, that's not a Christian nation. Jesus doesn't belong there. No, Iraq belongs to Jesus, whether they accept him or not. He's the king of the Jews, whether all the Jews accept him or not. Amen. So his kingship is over the whole world. That's why the Pope is the vicar of Christ over the whole world, wherever you bind on earth, not what you bind in Italy or bind over here. The whole earth belongs to Jesus. So he has that dominion and that power. And the Catholic Church teaches that we, we are, and as successors, are deputized to go into the world and share the gospel, teaching them all that I commanded you. So we are really manifesting his kingship, which he has already has by divine right. And I think Catholics since the 1960s have been kind of apologetic. Well, it's kind of a Protestant culture. Let's pipe down. You know, let's not be vocally Catholic. Let's not proclaim the fullness of the church, one holy Catholic and apostolic. And so I Catholics have really sort of dumbed down the social reign of Christ the King. Whereas I feel like in the early 1900s, we were just getting ramped up. Dan, comments on Christ the King? Yeah, yeah. It was in the early 1900s. It was uh, a Pius XI that, that formalized the, 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 the liturgical uh, um, memorial, I believe. It might have been a feast day. He quotes Cyril of Alexandria. Christ has dominion over all creatures, a dominion not seized by violence or usurped, but by his essence and by nature, his kingship founded upon the hypostatic union. That's the union of the human and divine in Christ. From this, it follows not only Christ is to be adored by angels and men, but that to him as man, angels and men are subject and must be recognized his empire. By reason of the hypostatic union, Christ has power over all, all creatures, not just over Catholics, not just over who wants to, to yield themselves to his authority, all creatures. I love the, uh, if you've seen the above the altar at the, the, uh, the, um, the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception at Catholic University, you see the, the image of Christ the King, then it's a, it's a mosaic. And there's no skinny, skinny jeans, hair gel Jesus in this one. This is Jesus, man, that's yoked. Jesus that does PX90. Jesus that, 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 has, that has the beach body. I mean, this is, a, this is a masculine Jesus. This is the resurrected Christ, Christ the King over all the universe. He's not just king over the world. He's king over the universe. Every knee shall bound, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And of, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And so we've lost it. We've, we've kind of minimized this in the new calendar. It, it, was, it was a huge feast day, the last Sunday of October. Uh, it's, it, and now in the new calendar, it is. It's the last Sunday before Advent, which is good. So it reminds us that, that Christ comes, it's Christ the King. He was born in, in, humble, in, in, in a humble way, but honored as king, seen in the three, the three wise men, right? But also he dies as uh, his, his death is kingly, 
the amount of spices that Nicodemus and the men bring in John's gospel, a hundred pounds, that would be thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. Only a king would have that kind of, of um, anointing. Um, the, 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 the language in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, here's Christ, the king of the Jews. This, this is all the known languages of the world. Jesus exalts the throne of God. In fact, when in John's gospel, when it says that Pilate seated or Pilate sat himself on the throne of judgment, the Greek is, is very vague. It could either be Pilate sat himself or Pilate sat Jesus. In John's gospel, he's still dressed in purple. He's still wearing the crown of thorns. He's as a king. He seats upon the human throne of Pilate in, 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 in Johannine irony, and then he mounts the cross as his royal scepter. And then in his resurrection, right, in the resurrection garment, the whole new creation of the Lord and King of the universe is now made manifest to humanity. So it's it's a great feast day that we that we kind of gloss over in, in, in our liturgical calendar, particularly the new calendar. Dan, you know what's interesting? But the whole notion of Christ the King is even since I was a, a, a child, because both my parents are from Mexico, it's stamped into the DNA of the Mexican Catholic. Even if though they're cultural Catholics, people know in Mexico, south of the border, they know that Cristo es Rey, Viva Cristo Rey. That's like the battle cry. Even of the uncatechized Mexican Catholic, it's just kind of stamped in their very DNA. It's It's been passed down from the Cristero movement. So that's that's something that's, uh, uh, you know, that that truth is a universal truth uh, that's proclaimed in Revelation chapter 19. And again, the Pope back in the 20th century proclaimed it. And well, that's that. But even even on Christ, even that feast day of, 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 of the three kings, right? That's something that culturally is, is much more respected in, in, in the Mexican culture than American Catholic culture. That's a big it's a big feast day uh, 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 in the Southwest. Um, and this is significant, too, because. Um, right before the time of Christ, you have you have Antiochus Epiphanes, right, who who sets himself up as the Epiphanes is the uh, the Greek word meaning the appearance of God becoming in human form. And here's Christ in the true epiphany recognized by the Gentiles, the true God and true human form in the incarnation that the Gentile nations bow before this king, this king of the universe. I mean, there's all sorts of rich symbolism in this. And, 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 and again, being in the Southwest, uh, it's much more respected and, and followed, uh, you know, uh, and you keep your tree up, right? And, and, until, uh, you know, until the, the end of the liturgical season. So anyway. Amen. Yeah. All right, Catholics. Hope you enjoyed the show. I sure did. I got two heavyweights here. Uh, two UFC heavyweights, ultimate fighting Catholics, Taylor Marshall, Dan Schneider. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> exactly. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Remember, Catholics, pray your rosary every single day. Go to mass as often as possible. Read your Bible every day. Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Also, remember to en enter into penitential practices Wednesdays and Fridays. And finally, remember, evangelize or fossilize. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. We're out. God bless you. Keep the faith. See you next time.